right. How many of you stayed up till midnight last night? You rang in the new year. You rang in the new year. All right. How many of you just went to bed? Ah, yes. I'm with the went to bed crowd. I figured there was no need for both of us, all of us to sleep in my service, so I might as well stay awake. <laughs> so, uh, no, but that's awesome. As we walk through, of course, if you're first time here, um, again, um, you should come back and hear our pastor, Pastor Ferguson. He's out visiting family, and so I'm filling in the pulpit. I'm Aaron, and I'm the youth pastor here. And so this morning and tonight, as we walk through our services today, I want to challenge us as we look at the new year. I don't know if everyone in here is a New Year's resolution person or not. I know that some people go with New Year's resolution. Is our... How many of you are New Year's resolution? You usually have a New Year's resolution that you make and try to stand by. All right, there's me and a couple others. <laughs> How many of you say, I don't mess with that foolishness? No, no. But as we walk through and as we look at the new year, all the things that we can look at that we do want to make ourselves better. And I know I myself personally, I set myself goals. I have things that I want to do. I have books that I want to read. I have things in my life that I want to uh, tidy up and put into shape. And so as we look through, the goal today, though, is going to be a challenge us to step one step forward than just being a better us, just doing a little bit better in the new year. So as Pastor has talked about um, in the, the church series that he's been doing on Revelation, I mean the series he's been doing on Revelation about the churches, he spoke about Laodicea and he talked about how the church at Laodicea had seemed like they had everything going on, but the Bible said really they were poor, blind, and naked. They really had nothing. And I began to think, what if Laodicea is a church that has gotten so used to doing things without God, so used to doing things in their own strength, that they look around and they think everything's okay, but God's far from it. And what would be, I mean, could that be what would happen to us as individuals and us as a church? Could in 2017, could have in 2016, could we have been a church, and I'm not saying we are or not, I'm not, I don't know, but could we have been a church that sat and gone through motions for a year and missed the blessings that God has for us. That we did not step out and we did the things that we do. We come to church, we dress right, we talk right, and we do all the things that we're supposed to do. But really, in our individual lives, God wasn't there. And we may have hit goals. I know in my own life, I hit goals that I had set. And I went back to my goals. Pastor Ferguson had us write down goals. And so I had my typed out goals. So I pulled them up recently to see where I was standing at. And we may have accomplished things. But today I want to challenge us in the 2017, this morning and tonight, to find some things in our lives that we can watch God do for us in 2017. More so than just me losing a few pounds, which would take a miracle, so that would be something only God could do. But other than that, would it be something that we could step out and see God work in the hearts of our unsaved relatives? To work in, God work in lives to move our church forward, to see God begin to help us deal with the sin that so easily besets us. And so as we walk through the passage that we're going to talk about today, I want to challenge us today and tonight. And tonight, I'm going to be honest, we're going to, it's going to be a, diff, a little different type of service. And we're going to look at, and I want us as a church and as those who are here, to look at five things that we're going to pray for and ask God to do in the new year. And we're going to wait and see God do it. So we're going to believe and see that God's going to do something great. And we're going to look for it and we're going to pray towards that end. But this, this morning, I want to look at how we get there. And no better story do I know to get there than we go to 1 Kings chapter number 18. So we go to 1 Kings chapter 18. 
and I'm preaching from a new Bible, so I'm breaking a new Bible. My mom bought me a new Bible, and I'm excited. I, um, I, I probably shouldn't. I don't know if you can covet Bibles, but I do. So my mom found my Bible that I've been wanting forever, French, Moroccan, leather. This is a copy of the Word of God. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but I, but I, so I'm preaching from my new Bible. I'm working it in. So if at one point I don't look like I can, I'm looking at what I'm, I'm doing, it's because I'm trying to find the page it's on and trying to figure out where it's at in my Bible. So as we look at it, 1 Kings chapter 18 is the story that I think illustrates what we want to do for today. Verse number 36 in 1 Kings chapter 18, we're talking about Elijah. And it says, And it came to pass at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice that Elijah the prophet came near. And said, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and of Israel, let it be known to say that thou art God in Israel, and that I am thy servant, and that I have done all these things at thy word. Hear me, O Lord, hear me, that these people may know that thou art the Lord God, and that thou hast turned their heart back again. In First Kings chapter 18, we come, what I would say, the perfect illustration of where we want to be. We come to the top of a mountain, and we have... A dusty, dirty old prophet standing in front of an altar, bowing his head to pray. And as he prays, he says, hear me, O Lord, hear me. And as he prays, we know the story, we're familiar with church, we know the story. But as he finishes praying, fire comes down from heaven, the Bible says. And so as we come to this point in the story... Elijah's standing here, he prays, and you've got people standing around. He's told all the people to come close, and you've got all these prophets of Baal who are dirty and beat up from cutting themselves and from screaming and yelling, and they're standing along the sidelines. And as Elijah begins to pray, he prays, and the Bible says that fire comes down from heaven and consumes the, the sacrifice that he had there, the rocks and the water that was all around the altar. And God does an amazing thing. And in that moment, the Bible says the people look at Elijah and what has happened and they say God he is the God and we see one of the most miraculous things in the Bible now I don't know I, I once again tell you guys I have an active imagination whenever I read uh, stories in the word of God I picture it and to see fire come down from heaven and to consume the altar it would have been one of those things that as people say sometimes when they get to heaven they want to pop in the DVD or whatever heaven has to be able to rewatch that this is the moment but my question for us is today, I believe we all want to see those kind of moments in our life. I do. I believe we all want maybe not fire to come down from heaven, so to speak. <laughs> and maybe there's times at work where you do. But most of the time, we don't want to see necessarily fire come down from heaven. But we want to see God do amazing things in our lives. We want to see moments where we stand back in awe and say, God, he is the God. God, he is the God. And so this morning, we're going to pray, and we're going to walk through this path and just see, how do you get there? How do you get to that First Kings chapter 18 moment where fire comes down from heaven? So let's pray. Lord, we love you. We need your help. Lord, as we walk through your word. God, it's the first of the year. Lord, we have things. Lord, we have a, a, a whole clean slate, slate to work with. And God, I pray that as we walk through your word that you'd work in our hearts. God, I pray that you'd still mine. Lord, I know that in me there is nothing sufficient even accomplish what needs to be accomplished this morning so God would you please work in my heart and God would you please guide me and then God as we walk through your word that you would do a wondrous thing not because of who I am not because of who we are as a church but because of who you are and you are God and we love you we need your help in Jesus name amen so how do we get that first Kings chapter 18 moment where fire comes out from heaven so we'll go, let's go back to first Kings chapter 18 as we walk through Elijah's prayer as we walk through it it is like a beautiful outline 
of what happens in this whole story. And I never saw it. I, I read through this. I've read through this passage lots of times. To be honest, I was, um, I'll tell you where, how I got here. I went to lunch with a pastor friend. And I, had a, and I was telling him some things, and uh, he, I would consider him kind of a mentor to me. And so we were having lunch. He began to tell me, Aaron, I see what you're trying to do here. I see what you're trying to do. And he began to say, Aaron, I think, and he's a friend, so faithful are the wounds of a friend. I think you're not trusting, waiting on God. I think you're trying to manipulate and move and do all these things in your own power. You're trying to work a little harder to do these things. And in that moment, I received it. And I went back and I sat at my desk and I read through and this is the passage that came to my mind. And this is the passage that I read through over and over. So I've read this thing over and over and over. And as I read it, I see that Elijah's prayer is a perfect outline of exactly how these things happen. So let's walk through the prayer this morning. There's not a lot of points, not a lot of big things, but I just want to see this passage, verse 36 and verse 37, and see how it applies to our lives. So go, let's jump back to verse number 36. And it came to pass at the time of the offering, 1 Kings 18, verse 36. And it came to pass at the time of the offering, the evening sacrifice, that Elijah the prophet near, came near and said. So this is Elijah, Elijah beginning his prayer. Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and of Israel, let it be known this day that thou art God in Israel. So as we look at God, why do God do things? So we, we say, yeah, you know what? I come back to this moment, fire comes down from heaven, and I say, and I believe all of us would say, well, I want God to do amazing things in my life. How do I get there? Number one, as we look in Elijah's prayer, it is, we have to know who God is. We have to know who God is. And as we look at this story of Elijah, we have looked at a country and the children of Israel that have gone so long since they've seen God's power, since they've seen God do anything. And Elijah actually meets with Ahab and Ahab, and they have a talk, and they say, hey, let's go to the top of the mountain. Elijah says, I want to make, well, we'll make a deal here. If God is God, we'll follow him. But if Baal is God, then follow him. But right now, we have too many decisions. Let's just make a decision to follow. So this is what we're going to do. We're going to go to the top of the mountain, and the God who hears and answers will be God. And the children of Israel and the people here in our, our passage... I lived so long with hearing about and thinking about what God has done, but never experiencing what God has done. And when we start looking through the word of God, everybody that God used, they all had personal, genuine relationships with God Almighty. In Exodus chapter 32, I'm going to turn over there just a minute and I'll read it. But in Exodus chapter 32, we know Moses has a relationship with God. In chapter 30, I think it's 32, he got, the Bible says that God spoke to Moses and Moses spoke to God as friends talk face to face. Now that's a good relationship. Now, as we think about Adam and Eve walking in the garden and Adam and Eve, that God would come down and actually talk with Adam and Eve in the garden. That would be an amazing thing. To talk to God as a friend talks to a friend. This is how God describes it. But even beyond that, Moses asked in the next couple of verses, God, can I see your glory? Can I really see who you are? And God says, Moses, no one has ever seen my face and lived. Moses still says, God, I just, want, I just want to see you. I want to know who you are. And see, one of the things that we have in our lives, we can't expect for God to do all the things that I desire and all the things that we desire for him to do in our lives if we don't know who he is. And in Exodus chapter 32, I'm going to read it really quickly. Exodus chapter 
um, 30, I'm sorry, Exodus chapter 34, verse number 5. It says, and I'm going to read what God says about himself when Moses meets with God. So the Bible says this. And he hewed two tables of stone like unto the first. And Moses rose up early in the morning and went up to the Mount Sinai as the Lord had commanded him. And he took in his hand two tables of stone as the Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. So we see Moses. Moses says, God, I want to know you. I want to see you. And so Moses gets the opportunity to go to the top of the mount and see God. And God reveals to himself, this is who God says he is. He goes on, he says this. And the Lord passed by before him and proclaimed, the Lord, the Lord God. This is what God says about himself. Merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abundant in goodness and truth. Keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgressions and sins, that, and that will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children, upon the children's children, and the third and fourth generation. And Moses made haste and bowed his head toward the earth and worshipped. You know what? One of the great things that it is to have a church on January 1st, I'm not like a superstitious person, I don't think the year is going to be great because Sunday was on January 1st, but it gives us a great opportunity to stop and think about who God is at the beginning of the year. And remember who he is. See, a lot of times in our lives we can get so busy doing the work of God, doing things for God, that we miss to know God, like, like God just showed to Moses. And when we want things to happen in our lives, we have to, number one, and it's just in this simplicity, know who God is. See, when Elijah says, God, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, he says, hey, God, I know you are the God of the past and you've done all these things God I know what you can do and so in this moment God I want to see you work and you know let me tell you why this is such so important why this means so much why Elijah would be the man to, to, have, to have this conversation around because in James the Bible gives us an insight to Elijah that clears all this up and makes it a beautiful thing the Bible says in James that Elijah is a man subject to like passions like as we are and he prayed See, I don't know about you, but I don't think I find joy, but sometimes it's a little reassuring when people have the same problems that I have, and I find out I'm not the only one who struggles with. I'm not the only one who has a problem with. I'm not the only one who's ever done. And we find Elijah and James, the Bible says, he's a person with the same nature that I have. And we find out a little later that he's going to get discouraged, he gets depressed, he, sometimes he doesn't believe God. He has all kinds of problems. But in this moment, there's a man who stands before a crowd and he says, hey, if God is God, then we will worship him. And he prays, and the Bible says, fire comes down from heaven because he knows who God is. And he's just a regular man just like me. He has bad days, he has good days, just like all of us in this room. He's a regular person, but he knows knows who God is and he follows him. So as we walk through that, let's go to the next thought as we walk through this prayer and then we'll bring it all together. He goes on. So he says that it came to pass at the time of the offering, evening sacrifice, Elijah the prophet came near and said, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known to say that thou art God in Israel and that I am thy servant. Let me ask you this real quick. If we were to grab a member of your family and pull them aside after the service, and we were to just say, talk to them, just real talk, who does your dad really serve? If you had to tell me who your dad served, who would you tell? 
And if you're talking to Tavian, I don't know what he'd tell you. <laughs> but as, let's talk. Who does your dad really serve? Or who does your mom really serve? Who are your children really serving? Who are they really a servant of? If we were to grab right now our time that we spend on things, and we were to look at the time that we spend on the things we spend in our lives, who do we serve? Now, we know who we'd say with our mouth, but with our schedule, who do we serve? If we were to take our talents, things that we're good at, and where we apply those talents to, who do we serve? If we were to take out, and I don't think, uh, maybe people, I think people still balance checkbooks, right? But uh, debit card, whatever you do, check the bank. Now just get on your phone and your app. But, but if you were to check your bank account and look at the withdrawals, who does it say you serve? See, Elijah expects great things from God because he knows who God is. He's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and he can do those things. And he humbly says, God, I am your servant. And it's totally in exact opposite from what they say when we look at the prophets of Baal. So we go back in the story, we know the story. So the prophets of Baal are coming as, as Elijah has this big thing going on up in the mount, and he says, hey, you guys put up your, put up your sacrifice, and the God that sends down fire, he, he's going to win. And they, they set up all their stuff, and the prophets of Baal, who are not servants of God, they begin their rituals. And the Bible says from morning till noon. They have this altar set up. Oh, man, they're doing everything that the prophets of Baal are doing. They're crying. They're singing. They're doing all kinds of things. Oh, Baal, bring down fire. And nothing's happening. And Elijah, being the wonderful spiritual man that he is, this proves that Elijah is a man like passions like we are. He begins to make fun of them. So as they are walking around and doing all these things, Elijah, just like some of us would probably maybe just think it and some of us would say it, Elijah says just outright, um, Baal is a god, right? Maybe he's talking. Go a little louder. Maybe he's sleeping. Maybe you should wake him up. Maybe he's chasing. Maybe he's pursuing. He has an idea and he's thought. He's just thinking, pondering some things. Man, why don't get a little louder? And as Elijah stands over there in his spiritual way of making light of these poor people dancing around, the Bible says they begin to scream louder. They begin to cut themselves They've been doing all these things, trying to get attention for their God to bring down fire. For just a second, let's, let's pause. And instead of thinking, as we would, that these people, the prophets of Baal, are running around this altar and they're doing all these things. Let's stop and get the, the pagan, heathen, weirdos out of our minds and just think, These are religious people trying to work hard enough to get something to happen. We have in our minds people that are, oh man, they're they're back, they have all these weird piercings and all these things that they're dancing around the salsa room. But let's just stop and just think about it as we would. That these are religious people who are all day serving a God. That can do nothing for them. And if you could see the sincerity in their religious pursuits, as Elijah makes fun of them, 
It doesn't make them stop. It only makes them go harder. Man, our God will bring fire. Our God will. And in our lives, we don't see God do amazing things because we're religious people serving all the wrong things that can do nothing for us. We serve our jobs. We serve, and sometimes where it seems like good, we serve our families. We serve fill in the blank. And in our sincerity, we work hard at it. Oh man, if I can just do this a little bit better, if I, and we make New Year's resolutions and do all these things, and it brings us nowhere. And the passage shows us, there's, there's a couple words in there that are like, I think, probably some of the most discouraging words in the Bible. First Kings chapter 17, um, verse 29, verse 18, verse 29 says that it came to pass when midday was past and they prophesied until time of the offering of the evening sacrifice and there was neither voice nor any answer nor any that regarded. Now just think about this situation going on. I don't even know what to call it. These men are screaming, cutting themselves, believing in a God that may, hey, God will bring down something from heaven. Our God will bring down fire from heaven. And they begin to get into this religious fit. And the Bible says, there was no answer. There was no voice. And no one even cared. And this is where we find ourselves sometimes in our spiritual lives. And we're serving the wrong thing. So when Elijah says, God, I know who you are, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And he says, God, I am your servant. God, I serve you. And when we start looking at our lives, we're honest ourselves. In 2016, who did we really serve? Who did we really pursue? Who did our hearts long after? And I can tell you, in all honesty, in every moment, God was not who I pursued. God was not the reason why I felt like I needed to get better. And at times in our lives, we miss seeing God do wondrous things because we are not serving him. We're serving a lot of other things. And he says, God, you're the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and I am your servant. And he goes on and he says this. And then I have done all these things at thy word. So after all this fiasco has happened over here, Elijah's made fun of the, the prophets of Baal. They move over and it's Elijah's turn. And Elijah comes over in the Bible says he begins to rebuild the altar of the Lord. And he puts 12 stones up and he begins to put everything back in order. And he calls the people around. And Elijah says... All right, here's what I need. I'm going to need four barrels of water. Okay, yeah. Dump those right there. Yeah. Pour it all over. Yeah, pour it all over. Can you go do that again for me? I need four more. Oh, perfect, perfect, perfect. Now, I need you to do that one more time. Pour it over. Now, it may, this doesn't make sense for lots of reasons. Number one, it hasn't rained in over three years. So where are you pouring, why are you pouring our water on this dumb sacrifice? And then we all know that water is not flammable. So it's not like this fire is going to go any better because we, did, we poured water all over it. But in this moment, 
if we look at it from a human standpoint, it looks like Elijah's pretty arrogant, doesn't it? Hey, you guys, God, he's sleeping. Hey, wake him up. God, wake up. They need fire over there. Hey, come over to my altar. Hey, hey, would you guys get some water? Pour it over there. Let me show you. And in that moment, it does look kind of arrogant. But when he begins to pray, and we find out everything he's done was in obedience to God's word, and to know that Elijah is a man subject to like passions as I am, there may have been a part of Elijah that says, okay, Lord, do that one more time. Okay, Lord, do that one more time. Yes, Lord, do that one more time. Almost like in Gideon, when God says, tells Gideon 32,000 men are too much. You've got too many men, Gideon. Okay, Lord, I know that you invented math, but the Midianites have way more than we, you need less people, Gideon. Okay, okay. He gets down to 300 and God says, perfect. Okay, Lord, this is, <laughs> this is not. And God over and over again assures Gideon and says, Gideon, it's okay. I just want to make sure in this moment that I get all the glory from everything that will happen. And so we see Elijah, a man over here. If we just look at the story, we'd say, man, he's an arrogant guy. But we look at it that he is a person who knows who God is, who's chosen to serve his God, and that has done everything that God has called him to do. Hey, Daniel, why are you not going to eat the meat that the king put in front of you? Well, I'm not going to eat it because my God said not to. So when it comes to the moment when the king needs a dream to be to help with his dream, who does he come to? The person who served and done what the Lord had asked. Hey, Peter and John, why do you keep preaching the person that we told you never to speak his name? Why do you keep doing it? Well, I'm just going to ask you, is it better for us to obey you or to obey God? So I think we'll obey God. And all of a sudden, we see a man who received something from God because in his life, he has obeyed everything that God has asked him to do. Now, when we start looking at our own lives, can we honestly say that we're doing what God has asked us to do? Am I doing what God's asking of me? As a dad, am I doing what God has asked me? On the job, am I doing what God has asked me? To my wife, am I doing what God is asking of me? Because if I want these things to happen, if I want to pray and get the results that I'm asking God for, am I doing what he asks? Imagine Elijah standing in front of these people and just saying, you know what? God, I know that you said put water on this, but it doesn't make any sense to me. So God, would you just bring fire down? It doesn't matter. Fire comes down from heaven. That's a miracle in itself. Praise the Lord. Let's just move on. And I don't think, I mean, there's, of course, no what-ifs in the Bible because it's already happened and we know who God is. But, you know what, I don't think God's going to drop fire just because Elijah feels like he's doing what he wants to do. And all of a sudden we see that God brings down fire from heaven. And then we come to the last part of this prayer and we sum it all up. 
It says, it came to pass at the time of the offering, the union sacrifice, the light of the prophet came near, and said, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and of Israel, let it be known that thou art God in Israel, and that I am thy servant, and that I have done all these things in thy word. Hear me, O Lord, hear me. That this people may know that thou art the Lord God, that thou hast turned their heart back again. And here comes the best part. We've got a man who knows. God, I know who you are. I know what you can do. God, I am your servant. And God, I have done exactly what you've asked of me. Now would you hear me? In a world that's so distracted, in a world that it is hard to find someone who genuinely listens, this is the best part. That Elijah prays to God and says, hear me. And we know through all the Bible, God is ready and willing to hear so we look at this, this whole equation. We have a God in heaven who's ready and willing and desires to do things in our lives. See, the thing that we have right going on right now is the 2017, if nothing happens of any consequence, it wasn't because God didn't want it to. He was ready to hear. Now, I won't ask to raise your hand to ask how many of the teenagers in here, or, well, we could ask the parents first. How many teenagers when, I mean, how many of the parents ask them when their teenager has a device in their hands what the communication is like? What goes in when they have it? But I won't ask, I won't flip it either, because I know the same thing happens. Parents act like it doesn't happen, but it will happen the same way. That, the, the parent has a device in their hand, and you're trying to talk to the parent, and the same thing happens on both sides. Or maybe it's the husband and the wife, and the husband has his device out, and the wife is trying to communicate her day, and it's not going anywhere, because all you hear is, like, the um, Clash of Clans thing going on. And so, when all these things are going on, we lose it. But the beautiful thing about the Word of God is this. God is waiting to hear. And when Elijah prays, he doesn't have to wake him up. He doesn't have to cut himself. He doesn't have to get louder because there's a God in heaven who's waiting to hear. And as he does, the Bible says, fire comes down from heaven, consumes the sacrifice, burns up the rocks, consumes all the water in, around the sacrifice. And when this happens, the Bible says in verse number 38, and the fire of the Lord fell, and consumed the burnt sacrifice, and the wood, and the stones, and the dust, and licked the water that was in the trench. And when all the people saw it, they fell on their face, and they said, Elijah is the man. No. They said, the Lord, he is the God. And I, in my life, I think um, in his book, Fresh Wind, Fresh Wire, Fire, Simba says this, that I despaired to think that I could go through my whole life and not see his God show himself mighty in me. And I would say in my life, that's what I desire the most. And I would desire that if I could go through 2000, that it would break my heart to know that I would go through 2017 and never see the power of God. I would, it breaks my heart to think, like I told you guys last time I preached, where Pastor talked about Gideon, and where Gideon said, where be this God of Israel that I've heard the people talk about? 
but I have not seen his power. Like, that, if we're not going to see the power of God, if God's not going to do a work, then why do we come and sit? We come and we want, we desire to see God do something. In 2017, and tonight we'll talk about this a little bit more, but I want to, I want to challenge us to be people who know who God is. God is just not the tack end on the end of the day. God's not just the person that I need because I just need a little extra, so I'm going to pray and ask God to do things for me. And I want to be his servant. I want to serve him. Not pursue all the things that my heart desires and not pursue all the things that I think matter. And then as I pursue him, I want to see him work. I want to see God do amazing things because I want to actually do everything he tells me. He says, hey, this is what I want you to do in your life, and I want to do it. I want to see God do great things in my life. And then for the ultimate glory of this, that when anybody sees it, they say, God, he is the God. God, he is the God. I recently read The Insanity of God by Nick Ripkin. And in the book, he talks about how he's noticed that as he interviews people who've been persecuted in other countries. He says, if you look at the people who are persecuted in other countries, the government usually sees the power of God before the people who are in the church know that what they're doing is mattering for anything. And I thought that was interesting. That the people outside, the people in these Chinese churches and Somali churches and Muslim countries are meeting together and what they think is no big deal. They're just people just trying to get together and see the word. And they say, in all those countries, usually... The people on the outside are the first people to say, whoa, there's going, something's going on in there that we have to stop. Because they see the power of God coming out of those movements. And wouldn't that be something if we as a church, we as individuals, begin to come, be the people that God has called us to be? And the people around us see what God is doing in our lives. See the answered prayer. See the things that are going on. And they say, not, wow, my coworker is the man. Wow, she's awesome. But the God, he is the God. And they come to Christ because of the testimony of what God is doing in and through us. And as we look at it, yeah, 2017, I have goals, I have things that I want to do. But most of all, I want to see God do things that only God can do. And so I want to put myself in a position to see those things happen. So tonight, as we walk through, if you're going to be here tonight, I want to encourage you to go ahead and start thinking about the things in your life that only God can do. That only God can accomplish. And so as we walk through those, as you think about those things this afternoon and we prepare for the evening service tonight, we're going to walk through another couple of passages and look at some things that say, hey, what are parameters? Because it's not like we're not, I don't want to be preaching this morning that God's a genie in this lamp. And so if you're the person who's doing all these things, all of a sudden now you, you uh, rub the magic lamp and God does whatever he wants. No, there are parameters to what God says he's willing to do. But then we begin to pray and see. And in 2017, I personally have a couple of things that I'm saying, God, I'm just going to wait on you to see. I'm going to pray these things, and I'm going to look to you, and I'm going to try to follow you. I want you to accomplish these things in my life so that when you accomplish it, when God accomplished it, I and everybody else will say, wow, God, 
He is the God. He is the God. So let's pray, and we'll be dismissed this morning. God, we love you. We thank you so much for the opportunity to come together as a church for the first day of the year. And God, I pray that as we walk through Lord this year, Lord, that we would improve ourselves in the areas that we can. And Lord, that we would be the church, the individuals that you call us to be. But God, most of all, I pray that we be able to see you work in a way that only you can get the credit for. And to see you do things that, Lord, there's no way we can manipulate, move things around, work out to do. And God, as you do those things, God, we pray that you would make yourself magnified in the people around us. Lord, in the community around us as a church, Lord, in our communities, at our homes. And Lord, so ultimately at the end of this year, we have a world that looks at us and says, well, that you are God. It brings all honor and glory to you. Lord, you know our hearts. Lord, you're working through us by the power of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray it. Amen. Amen. You are dismissed. Amen.